0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's Andy Campbell!
1: Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. This is the Andy Campbell Football Show Extra, and this episode 69, technically, of the Andy Campbell Show. This show is live on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and Twitter. Ace Podcast Nation is also your home to many other great shows featuring top analysts expert guests and more so please follow us on social media subscribe to the youtube channel still the most direct way to support us and uh, you can find links and information to all of that in the description below as well as the post credits at the end of the show and of course you can follow the andy campbell shows on all social media at ac footy show Uh, so give us a follow on there and they're solely about the andy campbell show and football Uh, Just while we wait for the chats to fill up on the various platforms, a big thank you to Black Diamond Sports for all their support. Black Diamond Sports is a global sports agency representing sports stars from around the world. For more information, you can visit their social media pages as well as their brand new website for more information. You can get the links in the description below again and the closing credits also as well as our social media pages and bios and etc. And our sponsor for this show, as usual, is Bespoke Financial. Big thank you to them. And uh, we're just going to have a quick word from them before we get going.
0: My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my auntie Louise told mummy about Bespoke Financial side. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and mummy and daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner.
1: Yeah, big thank you to Bespoke Financial. Bespoke Financial specialise in life insurance, critical illness, income protection, mortgages and of course sports cover. You can get more information at their social media pages. And uh, the links for that are in the description and at the post-credit scenes. So tonight uh, is the last, I believe, of the Andy Campbell Football Show Extra before next week's Championship Preview Show, which I'm really looking forward to. But uh, I'm also looking forward to tonight's uh, show because I get uh, a big advocate of academy and junior football. So I'm looking forward to uh, asking some questions and discussing that in detail. So first of all, uh, joining me as usual, my co-host with the most, ex-Cardiff City and Middlesbrough striker, Davy Jones, favourite son, Mr Andy Campbell. How are you, my friend? You Good was evening, mate. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I
2: was, uh, do you know, this, the, the time you leave it out is when he's, uh, is when he's,
1: he's on the show. No, that's when I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna really enunciate it. Uh, super excited, mate, tonight 'cause
2: tonight um, uh, because our guest is uh, someone that I, I I know pretty well and is on a journey, and I'm really intrigued in this uh, in this journey and where it's going to end because uh, I'm all for people um, uh, and a big big advocate of people excelling once a career is finished because you know I, nobody ever got me ready for. Um, when I packed in, uh, so you know, what I mean, I'm I'm interested to to see how that went for somebody else, uh, and also what's what, where, where the future holds. That was yeah, interesting.
1: It's going to be interesting, mate. Like like a I spoke mm. to you earlier. I got a few uh, a few questions around different uh, different things. Um, so, of course, our special guest for this evening is a former Hibs captain, a Scottish Cup winner for Doncaster, Scunthorpe, Sheffield Wednesday, and other clubs. Uh, and he's the current borough or a current borough academy coach, Mr. Rob Jones. How are you, Rob?
3: I'm very well, thank you. How are you?
1: All right, thanks. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, thanks for
3: coming on, Rob. No uh, oh, pleasure.
2: You know what I mean? It's. Uh, do you know what I I I I I was super excited, like looking up, looking up, and, and looking at the amount of, amount of games you played, and especially one area of it, which which I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on later on, is um is the amount of goals you scored. <laughs> um, which, which is obviously uh, for a defender, by the way, uh, is yeah. uh, is uh, w- without obviously penalties and free kicks and things, which uh, some people get by default and cheat. Uh, these are proper goals, you know, they're not 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 given to you. So it's uh, yeah, something 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 which uh, your stats obviously don't lie. No one no one can ever take those kind of things away from you, you know, which is great. Did
3: you know, it's uh, just... it's an intriguing one, that one.
1: It is, is it? totally. I so I just straight away in the comments. James says that it's like a copy and paste for the three of us next to each <laughs> other. I'm not sure about that.
2: Do you know what? Well, to, to be honest, to be honest I'm, I'm not that bothered. I'm, I'm I'm quite happy tonight, you know, because uh, I think recently it's been. I think not not probably on purpose, but there's been too much hair. Far too much hair.
1: Far too much hair. Far, too, too, much much
2: hair, hair, far sure. too much hair. So I think I think strategically, Rob, we've uh, we brought it down to earth and, uh, and and did it for them reasons. But even though you had an amazing career,
1: I've done it for the hair. Hair a lot. No,
3: that's all right. My, my my hair went when I robbed fourteen. I think so. <laughs> a while without it.
1: <laughs> Indeed. So, um, what we'd like to do first, Rob, is uh, do seven quick fire questions, which is the, the Magnificent Seven, as they're known. And all you need to do is just uh, basically say the first answer which comes to mind. Rob Jones, the Magnificent Seven. Uh, Messi or Ronaldo? Uh, Ronaldo. Who's the hair heir to the throne of rest, Messi or Ronaldo, or should I say, who's going to be the next uh, to dominate world football?
3: I'd like to say De Good Answer.
1: This Angriest album. teammate. So again. Angriest teammate. Uh, David Cottrell. Yeah, David. Uh, not, not so long ago. Lovely guy. <laughs> Lovely
3: guy. Lovely guy. But yeah, very loves a,
1: loves, loves a swear word as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. very highly strung <laughs> he was. Uh, best roommate?
3: Uh, Paul Keegan. The
1: Hi, best English fullback of all time? Ooh. Ooh.
3: Ashley Cole. Oh yeah, I like that one. Great answer.
1: Uh, best TV show, best TV show of all time?
3: Uh, I'm a big advocate of grand designs. Um,
2: Do you know what? I, 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 we spoke about this, haven't we? You know what I mean? The, the variation of answers and things, you know, that, that this is just completely different. Obviously, Rob's are. Obviously, an educated man, which is great. You know, what I mean, we've had some amazing, amazing <laughs> answers, amazing <laughs> answers. And, and bear, bear in mind, by the way, these questions aren't given out to Rob. He's uh, he's just got to think on the spot, so he hasn't made, he hasn't uh, he hasn't been able to pre pre answer those questions.
1: Yeah, indeed, that's it. He's got to just answer, have not he? And uh, finally, the greatest Englishman of all time.
3: Oh, Oof. Oof. Alan Shearer.
1: Oh. Very good answer
2: It is a strong answer Strong answer
1: Very good Very good uh, So Next on the docket As it were Any other business Where we uh, We have a look at uh, A couple of stories From around the football world um, I would like to start This week Andy And I would like to start With Gareth Bale Basically saying That Real Madrid Are stopping him From moving away Obviously it's a, something Which is close to my heart As a proud Welshman And um I think the amount of abuse which Gareth Bale has taken in the media from the Real Madrid fans over the last couple of years and, and the way he's been treated by the club as a whole has been nothing short of disgusting. And the only time he's able to speak his mind and say anything about it or respond to the abuse which he gets is when he's away with Wales. Um, and I think there is a line, and I don't think he went over that line in his comments this week. He basically just said that, He's open to a move, but it's Real Madrid who were putting the the kibosh on it, as it were. And yeah, I think he's perfectly entitled to do that. I don't think he said anything which was particularly out of order. I don't think he said anything which was bad.
2: I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit here because I, I, listen, I think it's a bang out of order any football club keeping um, keeping a player of his stature um, and not really getting the value and value for money and, and, and playing him. You know what I mean? That it would work out for, every, for everyone's best interests if he left however um i'm not sure he's he's, he's he's done himself any good with um in certain aspects with uh, with uh, with the celebrations and sure with this really with this golf thing for me um i think it's uh, I, I think that's obviously played a big a big thing and 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 knowing uh, big football clubs and how stubborn they can be uh, and how stubborn some supporters can be at big clubs because they're they used to all this um success and 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 I'll let you rot in the reserve, so to speak, that kind of um process. That I feel as though that they're, they're using that as a it's probably a scapegoat and, and punishing them a little bit. But I think it could've been handled a little bit better. I think I think the 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 social media, um, the media itself, I, I think have played on it and they haven't done himself any favours and i done the the boy or, or the agent of or the club any favours as well at the same time.
1: Um so just before we get Rob's take on that, I just wanted to say in response to that. Um, first of all the flag thing you could say that it was maybe ill-advised but compared to the stuff that said being said by people within the club and and in the spanish media about him it was basically a play on what they were saying about him it was a bit of fun i don't think it did any harm yes you could probably say maybe it wasn't the best thing to do um Second of all, I would also say he wouldn't be at Real Madrid if they hadn't decided at the very last minute to pull the plug on his move to, I think it was China. Um, You know, at the end of the day, that was their choice. And third of all, yes, they might say publicly that they're going to let him rot in the reserves, etc., etc., etc. They're paying him, he's on about half a million quid a week. If they, I'm pretty sure, whilst it's not ideal, he's not going to be... Crying into his cornflakes, that he's got to sit out for twelve. Let's, months.
2: let's let's put it let's put it in 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 real terms. I wouldn't mind rotting in the reserves on quarter million pound a week. I'll yeah, be honest okay. for six months. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, but I know I'll how, how important it is to play football. So you know what I mean. So, uh, Rob, what's your what's your thoughts on it? You know, let let us go back to obviously the flag and um and obviously sometimes how he seems to distance himself, but then also he's a player and he wants to play.
3: Yeah, it's, I think it's one of those conversation, you would get two different sides of every story. Uh, you've got the, the, the side from the club, obviously, are paying him a vast amount of money each week to to be a player. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Zendin and chosen not to play him. It's not as if the Gareth's actually turned around and said, I'm, I'm refusing to play. He's very open and and transparent and saying he wants to play. He's just not been selected. Uh, so, yeah. therefore, uh, for me... He has to think about pastures new. The club have to decide whether they are going to stick with him and stay with him or they can they can cash in and, and let him move on to to where he needs to be. Like I said earlier, he nearly went to China about uh, six, seven, eight months ago. I think that would have been probably the, the best fit at that particular time. Is that the best fit now? I don't think so. So he's, he's come out in the paper today in the press saying that he wants to move back to the Premier League. Uh, so that will probably be the best fit for both groups. But... Can you can I see him going to a Man United, an Arsenal, a Chelsea, a Man City loophole? I don't think so. I don't think that Real Madrid will sell to one of their possible uh, possible uh, fixtures in in the Champions League. So uh, I think it will go to one of the lesser ones. And and in fact, there's only really Everton got the cash to to really invest in that. Is that why you is that why you saw then um, a potential move
2: to China because it was gonna it was gonna fit as in wages wise uh, at the time obviously now they've got a cap um, and obviously it wasn't going to be a rival as in Champions League league um, you know what I mean so that that at the time was the best fit personally for everybody wasn't it
3: yeah I, I believe so uh, he's out how out, out of the limelight as you you would like to, like to think you would go and play in China nothing of any interest towards uh, what Real Madrid are or were doing so it would be the best fit for bo- both sides but. Now I think it's, you've got to be very, in Real will be very cautious about who they sell him to or who they allow him to go to.
1: The um, the yeah, other aspect so. of it in the it's almost like who's going to blink first, isn't it, between the club and Gareth Bale? You know, are they going to say, right, okay, we can't afford to pay you, so we have got to either play you or get rid of you, or is he going to back down? And but I don't know what he could do because that's the other thing is that he can't move unless they agree to sell him, mm. and he can't play if he's not picked. So I you know, his hands are tied in many ways. But the point I was gonna make is obviously it's the Euros next summer. Wales do not want their arguably best player going in, having played zero amount of football other than internationals into a big tournament.
2: But it's also it's also a business as well, sir, you know, I mean football's a business and Real Madrid are a huge business and they need every one of their big name players. Let's look at the Champions League final. If it wasn't for Gareth Bale,
1: yeah.
2: they wouldn't have won the Champions League. And if he's All not champions fit enough. To...
1: League he's won, mate, with if he done. wasn't
2: fit if he wasn't fit for the last one, they wouldn't have won the Champions League. You know what I mean? So if he yeah. wasn't match fit, match sharp, he certainly wouldn't have be been able to do that over a kick. So oh, they've nice. got to look at the bigger picture for me and see that he's an asset, regardless of upset, uh, regardless of anger, regardless of any other um what's going on, out of favour, you know what I mean? That he's annoying people. It, it doesn't matter for me you know what i mean as a manager you play your best players and and if zinedine, like rob said there if zinedine zidane thinks he's his best player he will play him because why wouldn't you play your best players you know what i mean he sees benzema has his, as his main number 9 which is his own opinion he's
1: got hazard now mean, it seems very personal you know what I mean? mate, between we'll zidane I, for some reason i don't even know why to be honest it but uh, i think I, I think, I think
2: it'll all, i think it'll all come out i think there's there's more to this story than um, than anything, and and I think, like you said earlier on, uh, Gareth seems to be very vocal when he's away from Spain because he feels that's his safe place. So when he does eventually leave Spain, because he will in the foreseeable future, um, I think his first press conference will be pretty brutal, but it'll be a good course, watch for everybody right. else. So
1: the first thing he'll do is come on the Andy Campbell Football Show and spill the beans, mate. <laughs> that's what he'll do. No, no, no. Got to aim high, mate. Got to aim high. too yeah. right. Okay, and then moving on, we mentioned uh, China just now. The Premier League has terminated their £600 million deal with China, TV deal with China. Uh, Tell me a bit about this, Sam.
2: Well, I'm guessing this has got something to do with the wage cap and something to do with with how how high-profile football is not taking off or or like they wanted to take off. You know I mean? China was obviously a massive industry in advertisement and things and they give a lot back to obviously the world and... And for for the Premier League to stop doing that in a in a massive country with with a huge fan base support base is is quite extraordinary, really. Because yeah, it's either is is it is it is it due to a lockdown? Is it due to COVID nineteen? Have the have they not got as much money to um, to, to I, don't, I just don't know. I just I, I don't know what I don't know what the, what the reason is behind it. I, I think it could be a massive step back because I think uh, we need every country's support. The Premier League is the biggest club in a biggest business football league in the world and the world and China's a big part of that world and I think it needs it needs America it needs uh, the, the Middle East it needs in needs Australia it needs it needs everywhere to keep it going as big as it is for us to attract the best players Rob mentioned um, Kevin De Bruyne being um, the new Messi or Ronaldo that's only going to happen by the way if he gets to play in the biggest stages he gets to be he gets paid the best money and that's only going to happen with the best TV deals and the best money because I'm not saying he follows money but Unfortunately, it goes hand in hand. You know, if 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 Lionel Messi will, will, will come in the Premier League if he gets offered enough money, it's just and, and Barcelona get offered the money they want, but that yeah. can only happen if if if, if organisations like the Premier League get the deals in place.
1: Yeah, if the Premier League's not playing in any other country other than outside the you know if it's not out on outside the UK, then a lot of these players don't get the worldwide attention that they do now. Basically, mm. um, it's interesting though because China is obviously a market which. Every uh, business sector is trying to get into everyone, whether it's TV, whether it's sport, whether it's wrestling or anything you could think of. Every company wants to break into that Chinese market and dominate it for yeah. their uh, industry. So I find it fascinating that such a large amount of money is seemingly just terminated out of the blue. Mm. Well, obviously, uh, again, things will probably come out, mate. In the, in the yeah, there will. Oh, there's,
2: there's more to it. That more to it than this. You know what I mean? But like, how do how do global football supporters get to watch these kind of games? You know that, that we all want to watch the best games in the world. I'm guessing that the Chinese football. You know, I I I, I've, I I did start watch a little bit of it at the, at the beginning and watched uh, obviously Hulk who signed there from, I think it was FC Porto, and Oscar obviously went from Chelsea. Uh, and and other the peaks
1: good... of their careers, mate, as well. And out of which
2: went, um, you know what I mean, Pell went from Southampton. So I've kept an eye on uh, certain players, but now they've got a wage cap, the players are going to have to come back to Europe because, you know what I mean, it's just it's not, it's not worth the papers written on anymore, unfortunately. What are your thoughts there, Rob, on, uh, on Chinese football in general?
3: Well, I, I've, I've had the, 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 I've been twice... So I went in two thousand and four when I was at Stockport, and we played uh, a few of the Chinese teams that were up and coming. Which it wasn't the massive boom as it is now. Yeah, And I was also I was there the back end of last year with with the university side to play in a tournament, and it's, it's a completely different world now than it was in two thousand and four. Uh, the high rise buildings, the amount of money, the amount of infrastructure that's yeah. in the place is just inc- incredible. Uh, so. I find it flabbergasting that they they cannot fulfil their requirements with the with the, uh, the Premier League to, to pay their their quarter. I think it was quoted 160 million quid they, they owe to the Premier League for their first instalment, and yeah. for whatever reason, I can't envisage the fact they can't pay it. Yeah, I it's agree. such an enormous country. I mm. think they are, they're probably choosing not to pay it right now, mm. uh, which, again. I, can't, I couldn't fathom because the amount of people in China wanting to watch your Man United, your Chelsea, your Arsenal's, mm. your Liverpool is is incredible and the, mm. the want far outstrips the, the, the cash available. Yeah. Uh, but there's, there's, there's an underlying thing there because it's been going for the last two years about the wage cap that's been brought brought into China. Maybe the Chinese football hasn't kicked off the way the Chinese government and the Chinese FA expected it to. Mm. I totally agree. They weren't, totally filling, agree. They weren't filling stadiums. Mm. That's that's the thing.
2: What was it like? What was it like when you visited playing for playing for Stockport? obviously, when teams go over pre season, it's it's crazy. It's mayhem. You know what I mean? Obviously, fans want to fans want to watch English football. English footballers. It,
3: it was just school children. Hmm. That's what it was. So I presume that this is their probably their their, their starting market yeah. 10, 15 years ago, where they get school children in for free, they come and, uh, lessons are finished, they come and watch the game, and they entice them in that way. So they make them want to watch English-style football. So in five, six, seven, eight years' time, when, when they're out working and living on their own, they use all that revenue to go and watch football. And for whatever reason, that hasn't came to the fruition that they expect it to. It, you, nobody wants to play football in a half-full stadium. Nobody. Nobody. Oh. Uh,
2: but it's like you just said there, though, Rob, that it's the next generation, you know what I mean, yeah. that, that we, have, we harp on about our football clubs, you know what I mean, all around the world. We've got, we've got various uh, fans who watch this, West Ham, Middlesbrough, Cardiff, etc., Swansea, Leeds, that if it wasn't for the next generation... Stages won't be full and they're not going to be full for the for, for the foreseeable, you know, because they're the important people to get into. If that's free tickets for kids, like you would just say, you know what I mean, or, or or you can bring a kid, a child for free, you've got them hooked and you need to get them yep. hooked because in 20, 30, 40, 50 years' time, you know what I mean, the football clubs are still going to be here and the football yep. clubs need the continuation of generation for money, um, uh, sponsorship, uh, kit sales, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's constant and, and when you have kids, your kids you have kids and the kids, kids have kids, you want them all sort of follow suit and bring their kids because it's it, we, teams need it, they rely on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, sorry, I just wanted to circle back up just quickly to Garth Bale. Gaz in the YouTube chat has just made a, a fascinating uh, little comment. Um, I'm not sure how much stock I put in it, no offence, Gaz, but he says there was a rumour going around London a few weeks back that Bale wanted to finish his career at Cardiff, starting after the Euros, which is why he's happy to sit out this year. Poof. I don't think it's a big that rumour that it's a massive massive <laughs> rumour there's no way massive that rumor. happens no. unless Cardiff are in the Premier League because, simply because and people whenever I say that people say oh, well Bellamy did it when he was playing for Man City Bellamy wasn't on half a million quid a week
2: yeah, yeah uh, was, listen so, I, I think it's listen I'd, I'd love to see it I think it'd be amazing yeah. oh, it'd oh, be God, a, so for publicity like... for uh, for where the football club wanted to go I think it'd be amazing but for me uh, there's only a handful of teams who can afford to pay his wages. and and Even out of love of football, I still can't see somebody dropping that much money to in order to go and play for a team you support or or, or, or
1: anything like that. I just can't. Here's see a it. question for you both then. Because Madrid won him out, we've already discussed they, they don't want to sell him to United, the likes of Inter Milan, anyone who's in the Champions League basically. Nobody else can afford him. If Cardiff City are in the Championship or they've been promoted to the Premier League... Would Real Madrid be willing to pay three quarters of his wages to get him out of there to go to Cardiff, and then Cardiff have got to find say a hundred grand a week or eighty grand a week? Is that doable? Because it suits Madrid then, doesn't it? It's not a direct rival, but they because uh, they'd have to pay his full wage otherwise. Anyway, um, what do you think about that, Rob?
3: Uh, I think the the biggest factor in this is, is Gareth Bale himself. himself. I think you can get two clubs to agree, the players still got to agree to go. Uh, I know the, yeah. the, the gentleman come on and said that. He's heard a rumour, it's going to go to Cardiff. But I think Gareth Bale, at this moment in time, would see himself at a top six club in the Premier League or a top yeah. four club in Italy. So right now, it, 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 it's irrelevant whether Real Madrid will pay three quarters of his wages for the rest of his contract and Cardiff would pay 25%. Because it, Gareth Bale's the one that's got to... Agree to it in in, in the end. Uh, I
2: totally, I totally agree, Rob. I just I just think that the the, the, the lads are born winner. He's a, he's a winner for his if his national team is a winner for his clubs. Um, he's been successful at Spurs, gaining Champions League entry. He's been a success at uh, Real Madrid, winning Champions Leagues, winning winning league titles, uh, winning Copa del Reyes. Why on earth would he want to finish his career on a sour note and not winning something? I'm not saying on a sour note as in um, escaping relegation because as a club it'd be a, it'd be a, a, a positive. But for him. Mm. Personally, he'll want to win his last game. His last game of his career. He's going to want to win the FBA Cup or the Champions League or the league title. That's 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 Gareth Bale, the, the player, the winner.
1: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, mate. There's there's no doubt about it. I think the the hometown club thing I think has only got that appeal if Cardiff are in the Premier League or he's thirty five, thirty six. And he's right at the, you know, it's his last season or two. Um, I don't think Gareth Bale's there at the moment, and Cardiff certainly are not.
3: No, um, I totally agree. I think uh, the Cardiff situation, I can see it happening the, the team after next. I can see a, a, a big club taking him for the next two or three years, and then, then him possibly saying, right, that's me, let me give something back to Cardiff. And then, then he retires and, and walks away from there. I can see that happening, but I can't see that happening in the, in the next stage.
1: No, no, I don't see that being his next club unless Cardiff City or a Cardiff City fan wins like 200 million on the lottery. And even then, it's probably not enough. (laughs) Um, Okay, so lastly, uh, I just wanted to, before we move on. um, So last night I recorded a show with uh, TalkSport contributor and uh, Beyond the Pitch host, Phil Brown, uh, who's some of the names he's had on his uh, particular podcast and shows. Unbelievable. He's had the Man United assistant manager, Michael Carrick, and... Richard Keyes and all these, you know, top, top, top names. Uh, He's got a massive podcast uh, and obviously he works for TalkSport. So we were talking about various things. And uh, one of the things which we discussed is Phil tweeted recently about Jesse Lingard. He said, look, I don't think he's good enough for Man United. However, I want him to go play somewhere in the Premier League or wherever and really excel and do what he, you know, do the best he can. Because the abuse that he has taken... Uh, over particularly over the last year or so, has been absolutely obscene. Now, when he tweeted this, I went straight to the comments, and you would not believe the amount of grown adults trying to justify like abuse, whether it's racial or just general horrific, nasty abuse about people, really personal stuff, because someone's not very good at football or someone's not as good as they think they should be at football, um, and it got me thinking about that because it's not unusual for footballers to be abused on social media or celebrities to be abused on social media. Um, obviously, Rob, you're an a academy coach with Borough and I was wondering, like my boys are in the kind of academy system as well, two of them are, um, do the clubs and the coaches uh, give the young players uh, kind of training or learning on how to deal with social media, use it you know, safely and properly, obviously whether it's posting themselves or responding to people giving them quite horrific abuse in some some uh, circumstances?
3: Yeah, I think the 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 clubs are good for that, to be honest. Uh, I think it's something that's been driven for the last five, six years when this all erupted and became apparent. Uh, not just in academies, but schools are on top of it now too. So uh, the schools are the, are, the, are the main driving force. Uh, the mm. amount of emails I get from my children's schools all the time, but uh e-safety and, and that sort of stuff so uh they are aware and they are apparent of of the, the 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 avenues to go down the people to speak to uh at middlesbrough itself they have their own uh, psych- psychologists there so you can go and speak to the psychologist when, when and when where you want to so uh there is that uh that that branch there to to go and vent whatever you need to vent or discuss whatever you need to discuss so uh at middlesbrough, it's, it's really good the yeah, problem you've got with like social, children,
2: the problem you've got with social media, Sai is, is is yes, it's um, it's important to get that education. You know, I mean, kids are getting it at school, kids get it from uh, from parents, from from other quarters. But the problem we've got is, you put a tweet out there or a photo out there, it's out and it's never it. and it's never coming back, and it comes back yeah. to bite you on the backside. Unfortunately, you know, um, and I know that for myself uh, from the tweet <laughs> I put about about Dave, Dave Jones uh, that uh, regardless how angry you are at the time, sometimes if you just count to five hundred. Uh, in my case, that I, I probably wouldn't have done what I'd done. I probably would still would have put something out. Um, but it's the, it's the regret and it's the, you know what I mean? Yes, I wanted to vent my frustration, but there's a way to do it, you know what I mean? There's a way mm. not to do it. And um, I, I, I look at kids and, you know I mean, I was a grown adult. I, don't, I, I probably don't, don't act like a grown, a grown adult mm. and I certainly didn't that night, but um, when kids do it, they do it out of a mistake and out of out of just um, maybe showing off or uh, just, just by judgment of error and and I feel really sorry because some some young footballers it comes out and bite, bite them on the backside sometimes you know? a yeah. little
1: Andy, I was going to say they never had social media when you were playing, did they?
2: <laughs> Not social media, no. They but I'll tell you I, computers. I'll tell you a good story though. When um, when I was coming through Middlesbrough, uh, so we were YTSs, so we got uh, instead of obviously social media training, we got media training. So we got uh, how to speak properly in front of cameras, which is which is great. You know what I mean? Because obviously that was a we had our Borough TV was coming through, but it was right with Ali Brownley and, and Bernie and things. So it was uh, it was nice to be able to have the training before you went to go and speak to them. And we also had etiquette training as well. So uh, obviously, which knife and fork to use, which spoon to use when you went to a restaurant. which obviously, young players are going to going to eat in posh restaurants on a Friday before uh, before games with the first team and things. You, the, the, the the really helped uh, young players. You know what I mean? I'm not saying we took it seriously, by the way, because there was. <laughs> There was some right shenanigans going on, but you know, what I mean, I think in the in the long term, I think it it helps you and it makes you grow, you know, because social media is taking over the world, and um, and academies it's such an important they have such an important role to play in the development of of young people, you know, because it's young lives because uh, and I know Rob's uh, going to talk about it later on about um, uh, about players who come and go from academies, but um, what you don't want to do is 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 a, is a young person's life being ruined by Something to put out on social media because it can be, can be disastrous, absolutely disastrous.
1: I think people as a whole, the human race as a whole, has lost the ability to be em- empathetic. Hmm. Um, like- but you said
2: there, so to say, You said there about 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 uh, all the comments on Jesse Lingard's or on or on someone's someone's tweet. Sorry, Phil's tweet. Um, for me, Twitter and Facebook play a huge role in this. In, in Instagram, ban every single fake account. You know what I mean? You've got to... You've got it. You've got to, um you got to have your own email address it's got to be uh, it's got to be proven you got to have your own profile picture on there's there's, there's things that can be put in place surely we're in, we're in the 20, you know what I mean we're in 2020 you know what I mean It's it's, yeah. it's these things can surely be put in place and a, and a track system for police and things put in place that, that you can't hide behind a comment and you know what I mean the rules are put in place if you say this this or this then this is going to happen to you if that's If that's uh, the police are going to be knocking on your door, you're going to be arrested, you're going to be charged, then so be it. Because, you know, I mean, sometimes you need to learn the hardware.
1: But, so, Rob, I think, uh, personally, I think that not just the fans and and the clubs have got a responsibility, I think the media uh, have a responsibility. Because when you look at the way, for instance, Raheem Sterling has been treated by the English media, uh, the way he's been portrayed, um, some of the things that have been said about him, that Stokes it all up. The things they, the, the way they portray Paul Pogba Yes, these players don't help themselves, but the way that the media stokes it up, I think, contributes to the fans, or I didn't, wouldn't even say fans, but how people on social media think that they can basically say whatever they want.
3: It's a, it's a difficult one. See, I'm I'm a, I'm a firm believer that if you read the the tabloids, you buy newspaper things. The first thing we go to is an article where some it's gone wrong for somebody, or they've come out the wrong end of something. So, I think we're we're a nation where we look for the negatives in people rather than the positives, mm. and we want to read the negatives to make us, feel, us ourselves feel better. Uh, I think you're talking about the, the media there. The media there. If the media were, were positive about everyone and everything, I know that's not that's impossible. But if they were, I think that would be have a a real impact on your likes of your Facebooks and your Instagram and your your, your Snapchat and whatnot, because then people will be looking at the positive side of of people and and what positives people do. Because we've got many positives in this country, many, many positives, but that gets overshadowed sometimes by the negatives that are portrayed about individuals. Positives
2: don't sell, though, Rob, do they? They
3: don't don't sell because we we want to read about the negatives in Mm. in society to make ourselves Mm. feel better. And uh, Raheem
2: Sterling, for example, you know that that he gets a he gets a tattoo of his choice on his leg. Yes, it doesn't matter what it is. You know what I mean? He gets portrayed to be this gangster, or whatever he, whatever he's told he is. But he gives money to charity. He gives thousands and thousands of tickets away for the cup final.
3: Nothing but gets not, mentioned, you know. But that's yeah. not what we want to, that's not what people that's not what sells, is it?
2: Exactly, exactly. You know, I really mean, the good thing, the good things aren't what sells, but there's more people involved in that than it is. He's doing things personally to himself, and it just it annoys me. It annoys me because uh, these people are um, normal human beings. You know what I mean? Like, a, yeah. he's a normal well, human being. He's a very talented young boy who's got an amazing career, got lots of money, and good luck to him. He deserves everything he gets because absolutely. of because of because of a the stick he gets, and b how talented he is. Probably the other way around, but
1: up yeah. to a few years ago, mate, when he was like in his early twenties, everybody, I think, most people thought. That he had about six kids from different mothers because that's what had been put around in or the way it was portrayed in the newspapers and the radio and, and this that and the other and nothing could have been further from the truth but it's and I think that contributes to the way people uh, view these these footballers particularly the young ones um, and I think it's got to be really difficult to deal with. And that was where I was coming from initially was like the, the kind of mental health side of it. Like it's hard enough trying to make it as a young footballer, 16, 17, trying to break in through the academy system into a first team squad at a professional club. And then when, when you do break into that first team squad, if you had a bad game, you can end up getting hundreds of tweets telling you. So um, that's got to be really difficult to deal with. And I think in many ways, players these days have got to be mentally, Stronger than they did, perhaps in your day, um, mm. when you guys were coming through. Like, don't get me wrong. I think in in other ways, they don't have to be as mentally strong. Like things like chores around the ground. I know Andy. We've talked about it before with various guests. Like it's a big bugbear of mine. I think that the youth academy players should still have to clean the boots of the pros and and do chores around the ground and things. I think it's it's a really big part of them growing up and coming through um, where do you stand on that Rob uh, like the players doing the chores and boots and stuff
3: well, I, I think it's a part of the character building and the responsibility mm. uh, and it gives you that drive see for me I've, I've watched 23s I've watched under 18s for the last 10-15 years and the games to be honest some of them bore me because they're slow and methodical and there's nothing really going on uh, and it's very technical very technical Where's the player that wants to get out of that situation where you're cleaning someone's boots and 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 brushing the dressing rooms and get into that first team? And that when I was younger, when Andrew was younger, that was the drive. The drive was to be want to get out of where you are mm. into that first team dressing room, stay in there. Mm. Where now, I, th- I I believe it, it's too nicey nicey now. Uh, they paid vast amounts of money to play 23s football, uh, and where's where's your drive to get out? I think. What was it the last time Chelsea have so many millionaires that have never played for the first team? Hmm. It's it, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I
2: watched uh, I watched the Youth Cup and I'm going back about four years now. So it was Christians in the centre half, who was played quite a lot of games last season. Now um, it was four years ago they played West Ham uh, and they beat them four It was a very easy game. It was uh, the Youth Cup final. It was on ITV, so you know I mean the coverage was great. Um, and he was on forty thousand pounds a week, and they named that on ITV. And I was a little bit like, it just makes a mockery of the system because you've got, you know, what I mean, you've got a lad on forty grand a week. Um, you know what I mean? For well, when I played in the Youth Cup, you know, I love the Youth Cup. The Youth Cup is always a, a a game in the season that you that you built your performances up um, for that game. You know, I, mean? I was I was getting paid thirty seven pound fifty, and I love my wages. I love getting paid on on a Friday. Um, but like you say, Rob, I wanted to do the best job as in training. I wanted to impress Dave Geddes, who was my U team coach, Ron Bourne um i wanted to impress the manager by doing well in training i wanted to impress everybody how good my boots were clean i wanted to impress how clean my area was because i was cleaning the changing room i i did everything to try and impress in every way i did um and i believe people look at the bigger picture they don't just look at um you know what i mean nowadays people look at attitude temperament skill the way they play attitude um work desire you know what i mean but when we were younger, you know, the, the, the look at the, the whole package, you know what I mean? Has he got the discipline to be a player? You can find that out by, by, by is he messing about when you when should be doing jobs or, do, or cleaning boots, you know what I mean? Because the, the football looks after itself, because the football you do anyway without even thinking about it, I mean, it's more about when you're getting paid £30, £37, £50, £42, 50 You're not doing it for the money, you're doing it because you love the game and it's a hobby and you can't wait to play on a Saturday and you want to play in the reserves, like Rob said. You want to get in that first team dressing room, you want to get on the bench and get that experience, you want to play in front of a crowd because it didn't happen. You know, reserve team football. You know, Pontins League football. I'll, I'll, I'll refer back to that. Like lockdown, zero fans, absolutely no fans at all. You know, even even parents probably didn't even bother coming sometimes because it was nothing games. Because people were, it was even young lads or, or lads who were there for the wrong reasons because they were told to play instead of wanting to play. Uh, probably similar now to under twenty three football. Rob sometimes, but I loved it because it gave me a platform to to push myself into the first team, and I just I, I couldn't get I couldn't get any more of it. I absolutely adored
0: it.
3: Yeah. yeah, I think the, the the biggest thing is we as a country should be taking look at what Jurgen Klopp's done at Liverpool and how he's changed the academy. He's got a structure in there. He's got a wage cap in there uh, for the, all the younger boys. You get to the first team, there's not a massive... You don't get a massive wage bill, Wage rise straight away. You get an appearance, but you're all in the same money, which I think should be adopted a, a, right across the board. I know in League One, League Two now, we've got a wage cap uh, let 's see how that goes on this season and, and into the next one. Uh, mm. The championship could be coming a, a wage cap next year, so yeah. that be that will be an interesting one too. but mm. the young boys, I think the young boys for me get ruined too early. I think they get too much too early I think they they 're pampered too early, uh, and sometimes that drive is is taken away from you because you 're comfortable in your environment. Mm. But I think that's the key, though, Robin. It you know the, the, the drive. If you if you're giving
2: something, you know what I mean. You, you, the next thing is expect expecting it again. So the expectation is it's going to be it's going to continue. But then when it doesn't continue and it's taken away from you, then
0: you,
2: you feel as though that somebody owes you it still. And it's yeah. not the case because it's it's the drop for me as well. You've got lads who drop down from Championship football or Premier League football, and they can drop all the way down to probably step seven, step eight, or further. Um, and they feel as though the the road something by football, and you know, I mean the the fall by the wayside because of attitude, not ability. By the way, you know what I mean? Because and and I've had done, and I've said this, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying it out of sympathy for for, for anything, but it's the truth. And I did an interview the other day for uh, for a for a newspaper that I I had um, technically probably zero talent you know what i mean but i had attributes what no one else had my pace was was ridiculous my attitude was ridiculous my work ethic and my, my determination to be a footballer was was ridiculous and i was probably in the in the bottom two or three um in terms of ability technically technical ability in in my youth team out the 10 but i wanted it more than all of them put together and i would have done anything to be a player and that was moving away that was playing for my hometown club and I don't see that, and I'm the same as you, Rob. You know, I don't see that. When 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 you go when I go around and go and watch games, it's I I, I can't stand the non-competitive aspect of football now. You know what I mean? For me, it's got to be competitive. There's got to be, got to be a carrot at the end of it. If that's um, I don't know. You know when we when I played and um, it, it wasn't the point, I can't remember what the youth team was called at the time. And It was uh, we used to get paid eight pound for a win. And I tell you what, you'd run through a brick wall for like eight quid on a Friday. I tell you, you know what I mean. That was just unbelievable. But it, you know what I mean. Just it was it wasn't a case of. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Because obviously nobody would watch you. You know, it'd be parents only. You know what I mean? because it was a chance to get the reserves, but it, it was a it was a big thing, you know. But I, you said it there. You know what I mean? Things are this word apprenticeship. Yeah, it's it's still old school white, Yes, but everything's given to players, and you know what I mean. Unfortunately, you know what I mean. It, I, I do believe it should be taken back a little bit and saved up in terms of um,
3: they have to earn it. Well, you incentivize it. It's a, it's as simple as that. You can incentivize it if if money is your drive. Uh, which seems to be the the, the main carrot in football at the moment. Yeah. Then incentivise it. If you win things, if you do this, if you do that, you get more money. And let's yeah. see where let's see where your drive takes you. Then
2: I totally agree, and I, I totally agree, sir. Because I, 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 Brian Robson at Middlesbrough, he, he came from Man United, obviously, um, as a player, and he took uh, the philosophy from Sir Alex, and all the young players who turned pro at seventeen were all on the same money. You know what I mean we were all on we were all on silly appearance money which you know what I mean because he wanted us to go and play and if we did play you got rewarded to play and yeah. you know what I mean yeah. win bonus was silly appearance money was silly but your basic wage wasn't very good and listen it is what it is you know yeah I mean, you're not going to turn a contract down because at the time you were you were a young boy playing for your hometown club absolutely adored the club loved playing and I, and, I, and I would have I would have played for nothing I know people say that but I would have done it at the time because you are getting rewarded to play football in front of a crowd, scoring goals, getting the acknowledgement from here, there, and everywhere, and it's just—it's the best job in the world. But people, I think it's—it's it's been lost in the midst somewhere. You know, what I mean, I think some people don't see that kind of um, uh, insight in football. It's more money, it's more fame, it's more social media, and for me, all—all laws all go hand in hand anyway.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Fergie obviously famously told Paul Pogba, and I'm sure many other footballers when he was first at United that. Um, don't worry about money when Pogba was asking for you know, whatever he was asking for before he moved to Juventus. He said, don't worry about money at this stage. Just concentrate on trying to break into the first team because money will come with success anyway. Uh, but if you focus on the football side of it and you're successful at that, you know, everything else, money and sponsorships, things like that, they come anyway mm. um, the more successful you are. Um,
2: yeah, I totally
1: agree. Okay, so uh, Rob, what I'd like to know from you... Is, uh, what's your very first football memory, whether it's playing, watching, anything?
3: Uh, my first uh, watching memory is uh, I went to Sheffield Wednesday because I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan. Uh, all my family, mum's my family are from that, that neck of the woods. and uh, it, it stands out because that's when I went and bought my first replica shirt. So I went and bought the, the yellow shirt with the blue trim uh, which is somewhere in the house. I've still got ah, it, I like uh, and I went to the game. Drew one all with Derby. So that's, that was in 1990. So uh, that was a it was quite quite a while ago. That's, yeah. on the playing side of it. That was me hooked. Like we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier about the young kids going to football mm-hmm. matches. I wasn't a Sheffield Wednesday fan before I went. It's mm-hmm. when I when I went to the game that was me done. Uh, but it's moments, so is it, Rob? You know, yeah. moments. You know, when you got a. You go to Hills, but you
2: watch a game. You know what I mean, and you, and you and you go there, and the crowd's amazing, the buzz is amazing, and it, you know what I mean. You fall in love with it straight away because it's just, and you want to be one of those players on the pitch, and you want to get that buzz, and you, you know what I mean. You want to be that one person who's getting all the accolades, and it's just, and that's what, and that's what, what that's what gets you. And I, I don't get, I don't get how people can be motivated by anything apart from that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's nothing better than that. Anything else comes with it anyways. It's just, it goes hand in hand. That is the. The, 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 for me, that is just the, the buzz moment, and when you see the top world class players, are, you know, even the, even the players who who come through are, are, are young players, you know what I mean? They, they they just look elated every time they wear that shirt for whatever club. It's just it's
3: just the amazing. the ultimate. That's mm-hmm. that's what it is. You stand there on terraces for year after year after year, game after game, but in your back of your mind, all you want to do is get in that football pitch. Mm-hmm. So somewhere. jump forward
2: then, because obviously I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't know you were a Chef Windsor fan, uh, which is obviously amazing. So mm-hmm. how did it feel to? Where the blue went?
3: Surreal to start with. Uh, did, you feel
2: more, bit... did you feel more pressure though with obviously uh, yeah, your mum's family and the, and, and the side of the family who uh, obviously brought you up in that?
3: No. I, 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 it was a strange one because I was playing golf at Forest Pines the day before and my agent rang me and he said, I've just had Chris Evans on the phone. He wants you to go to Sheffield Wednesday. And at that point, the only Chris Evans I knew was a radio DJ. So I'm thinking, what's Chris Evans doing? Or did you go to do with <laughs> on Wednesday? Uh, but it was Chris Evans, he was the assistant manager at the Gary Megs at the time, and he yeah. wanted me to go on. Uh, I was on loan to start with to the end of the season. Uh, they were yeah. in a bit of a bit of trouble, and we finished 12th from being 19th when I first arrived. Uh, it was surreal the first day I went upstairs and signed my loan, loan deal, and then I sat in the dressing room, and then it just hit me that my idols have been sat in the same positions that I'm sat in right now. And the stories that they could have told when they're in address, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So uh, it puts you it didn't ever put you on the level pegging to them, but it put you in a position that they had been in. So mm-hmm. from that that point it was it was surreal. Uh pressure wise, no, I've never I've never really put myself under any pressure at all. Uh I'm 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 mentally strong enough to say, listen, you're here for a reason. Uh and the reasons are a, B, C, D, and E. Uh, so don't put any uh, added added extra pressure on yourself because playing it playing in front of that's that kind of uh, uh, stadium and an expectation is big enough as it is. Yeah. Uh, but then to put added pressure on yourself because of family ties and whatnot is is, is something that. Ugh, for me, it, it just wasn't a wasn't a route to go down. So uh, it was just surreal at the time. It's a
2: huge football club, wasn't it? You know that everything everything about it the fan base, the size of the ground, the stadium, the training grounds. You know what I mean? I, 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 there's one training ground I used to go to, and just I'd be buzzing for the for the two and a half hour journey because you just know you're playing on the carpet every 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 game because it was just amazing. Everything no, about the place.
3: The club's enormous, absolutely enormous. But and hopefully it jumps up this season and goes back to where it really rightfully belongs. Yeah. Uh but you no, know, when that place is full there's no better no better place to be.
2: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. So obviously then going back on ourselves a little bit, um, so I, I want to talk to you about uh, uh about getting a break in football. So obviously you uh, you played a lot of part time football, uh, obviously mm. to start to start off with. So um how important was that um in your football education as in as in playing? Because obviously playing uh, as a young boy, you're playing against men, because that's basically you're going into men's football and a yeah. lot of people um see that as a negative and don't want to do it and I'm not, I'm not sure why because you know what I mean it's, 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 a, it's a fast way of learning but I can understand that it can be a little bit daunting uh, but how important was that in your education
3: uh, well well, going right from the right back a 12 year old I got the opportunity to assign school boys for York City or Nottingham Nottingham Forest uh, I chose York City to work with a guy called Ricky Spresor who was yeah, fun, Ricky yeah uh he left and went to uh man united at the time united, yeah, yeah. He uh, uh, yeah. and i got i got another coach who for one for a better word liked the local boys and not so much the ones that were traveling from afar uh so i didn't play i didn't play uh, i'd come i'd train every friday night straight after school get home, over 10 o'clock on a friday go back on the sunday morning and spend 10 minutes in the pitch and watch the rest of it and for me that wasn't football that's not what i signed up for yeah so I'd probably done that for about three months. And without telling anybody, without discussing anybody, I called the club and I asked to be released. And people were probably looking at me to say, are you for real? You've got, you've, you're have got you at a professional football club. You're playing football. Why are you being released? I got released because busy. I fell out of love with just standing watching other people play football. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to play football. And it's it's crazy to think, but it's probably the best thing I ever did. Because I then went and played local pub football, which is on a Saturday afternoon. I played for four yeah. years of, Uh and I got to play, like you said, against men. and yeah. I, not just men who were just there for the for the for the fun and, and the chat, but men who wanted to win football matches. And, and men who wanted it, to hurt
2: you as well, you know, yeah, that's, that's yeah. their job.
3: Yeah, and the men that wanted to win games and it meant so much to them. It had worked all week and the Saturday was their release. And it was a massive, massive wake up call very quickly. Uh, I was playing against teams against Dormanstown and, and, and things like that. So it was you either sink or swim. It's as simple yeah. as that. Uh, and thankfully, I had, a, I had two. I had a guy called Peter Burton, who was the coach and play at the time, centre half, uh, as hard as you like, uh, loved the ruckus, uh, could play the game really well. And then another guy called Jed Hartley, who was from the same ilk, uh, just total old school footballers, yeah. knew all the tricks in the book. And from, the, see, we go back to the score go and goals. Before I, went, I left York City, I was setting it forward. Oh, there we go. That's that's where I played. <laughs> You're giving it away. <laughs> and then as soon as I, I moved to uh, Thornby Youth Club, I played centre-half. So, 15, I completely changed from one end of the pitch to the other. And I then got taught by these two old stalwarts how to become a centre-half properly. And uh, I learned so much of them too. And I was there two two seasons. And obviously, I went up to, to Whitby after that yeah. in the the Premier it was called then. But yeah, yeah. Uh, th- th- that those two seasons were me for me were oh just vital, vital how I progressed through the leagues at that, at that point. Well, it was quite uh, when I was at Middlesbrough. We
2: had in my first year White Yes, I'm the second year White Yes. We had uh, we had two teams which ran uh, simultaneously so on a Saturday. So we had a team in the in the youth league which played Darlington, Hartlepool, York, Sunderland, etc., League United, uh, and then we had we had another team in the um, Northern Alliance which is. I think it's probably a league below. It's probably similar to a side league now. Um and we would play against uh, West Allotment Celtic. Um I know they're obviously in the in the Northern League now but um and you would play against men who would especially center ras fullbacks who would want to hurt you because you're playing against a 16-year-old kid who plays for Middlesbrough who's going to be quicker than you so the only way that he's not going to get past me is by is by kicking him. Yeah. Uh, I grew up so much in a, in a in a real short space of time just by playing uh, probably a couple of games um, simultaneously in, in in a couple of weeks, and I just thought it was a, a such a good education, such a good idea from the club um, to to have young boys playing in that kind of league. Because you know, what I mean, there was there was games that we found it really easy passing balls and and, and finding triangles and, and and getting the best of these older players, um, and then there was other games where we got bullied and we got heavily beaten because we were shy young. Whippersnappers who got dominated by inexperienced an players, and and for me it was just um, it was a great education and something which which probably held me in good good stem uh, for later on in me uh, football life, and um, especially when I went semi pro later on, um, and obviously playing still playing now. That it's it's nice to it's nice to have that um, understanding of, of of various leagues because you know what I mean. Footballers aren't all nice where they go on that pitch and and don't want to hurt you. You know what I mean. Some footballers are brutal that they go on the pitch. Intentionally wanting to win a game and won't stand in anyone's way before to get three points, which I I, I really like to be honest.
3: Yeah, I, I remember playing when I was 15 against oh, 35 36 year old Ben, and I'd win a header or i win a tackle. And as soon as you'd it, done that, they'd got up and they'd say to you, Do that again, and I'm going to really hurt you. And yeah, yeah he meant it. Yeah. So again, you had two choices, either give them the ball or you do it to them again. And yeah, yeah. it's just a it's a, just a Football education, I call it, yeah. uh, and again, you either rise to it or, or you disappear. I totally agree, and,
2: and, and it's so important, though, sorry, isn't it? because we, we we spoke about this, yeah. haven't we? And spoke about um, how important it is for uh, young people to understand that it's not just about you know, I mean, you could go through uh, a, a, an academy life, you could uh, play 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18s, 23s and you haven't played a competitive game and then all of a sudden you could get uh, 19, 20-year-olds not play a competitive game and then get thrown into a step 6, seven, five, four, whatever, whatever step it is and competitive game and be lost in the moment and And I don't think it's fair because they haven't been given the right education and the right opportunity to succeed and, and, and I feel sorry for those kind of players because you can spot them a mile off as well they want the ball they're neat and tidy on the ball but they haven't got the competitive edge or, or, or it doesn't matter if they win, lose or draw but for me Listen, it's not always about being seven, eight, nine, ten out of ten each week. It's about getting a result. And if 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 I had to sacrifice my sometimes playing playing badly, but and not getting the ball, but the team winning and me keeping me shape, I'm all for it because for me the the team is the only the only issue and the only the only way forward. Yeah, I agree.
1: Hundred percent. Um, even do you know in Wales, uh, the kids are not allowed to play, uh, any competitive football. There's no leagues or anything like that. Until I think it's under 12s, maybe even under 13s. So, uh, or every game is basically classed as a friendly. Now, I understand why, particularly at at like grassroots junior level, because they don't want the kids focusing on winning, they want them to develop technically, etc. And they want, you know, all the various reasons. However, I think uh, competitive football from that side is also important. Mm. Uh, So, a quick example I'll give is uh, my youngest boys' team. Uh, the season before last, barely won a game from September to Christmas. And then after Christmas, they pretty much won every game or they didn't lose very many. So if they'd had some sort of, say, an online league to look at, they would have seen that a Christmas or down the bottom, by the end of the season, Or oh, look how much we've improved as a team yeah. We're right at the top. And I mm. think that would have been very good for them. I understand the reasons why mm. they don't do it. But it's a shame because... Even at, I think I believe, but even at academy level, they don't play in leagues until no. a certain age, which is it's ludicrous to me. I've mm. got to be honest.
2: And the, and the, thing, the thing is, like, so it's, it's just about progression, isn't it? And about and about getting you ready for a certain a certain time in your career. Really, you know what I mean? And and I'll and I'll now move on, Rob. To um, you, obviously, got a break. A gatehead. Uh, get to yeah. give you an opportunity to play, uh, and if the stats are correct, by the way, which I'm hoping they are, that was your most prolific time as a goal scorer from the centre <laughs> half um, in your life. Uh, and to be fair, yeah, and I, and I was on about goals earlier on and stats and things, and you mentioned there about being a centre forward. With being a centre forward, did it, did it help you then when you did get those moments? Um, I'm guessing from set pieces or when you found yourself in the box on a gallivant and run. Did it give you that um, composure to put the ball in the net?
3: Well, being six foot seven, it makes it easier, doesn't it? Oh. Uh, a little bit easier. I've never had that luxury. But... <laughs> and and I hated heading the ball. Oh, well, I loved <laughs> heading the ball. Uh, I think uh, for me, it, not just in the opposition box, but in our box too, because it gave me an insight. And I was already basically brain taught about the movements of a striker because I'd yeah. been a striker. If I was fifteen, so yeah. I really already knew where he was going to go or what he wanted to do before he knew. Mm. which helped me on the defensive point because I was already there uh, but no I, th- I think the fact that I, I think I, gated I got 12 in one season which is the most yeah, did, yeah. i have done that uh, in my career in one year uh, but I've said it all along I've said it in interviews I've said it in individuals I've never shy away from wanting to score goals and it, it's it's a, like you know yourself it's a euphoric moment that no matter who you score for or when you score uh, or what it means, it's 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 special, mm. and uh, I just love getting on the the end of of crosses, of uh, free kicks, of of corners, and and the slap from the forehead, and the ball going in the goal, and it's uh, it's a great it's a great <laughs> noise and a great feeling. Did um
2: did the expectation follow you throughout your career then about scoring goals, so yeah. did um did, did did people expect them, fans expect, coaches expect, and and use well use set pieces as a as a um an avenue to Get Rob on the end of it aim for Rob you know what I mean. make runs create space for Rob to go and attack the ball
3: yeah I think the, the it was a it was a tactic that we we really uh adhered to towards not so much at uh, a stop point in Grimsby but as I then went to, uh, off to Hibs uh after that it was be- it become a more of a focus for set pieces either for me to go and attack the ball and look to score myself or me to go and win it, the, the fast stick to bring it back across for the, the on-running on, on uh, striker or midfielder. Uh, so it was more of a, a tactic for for the, the team as a whole, not just for me, but the, for the team yeah. as a whole. But then I went to Doncaster and, and Dean Soren is really, he, every set piece was give it to Rob, give it to Rob, give it to Rob, give it to Rob, give it to Rob. And, and it was all set up that way. And, mm-hmm. uh, and talk about David Cottrell, uh, my first season at Doncaster, I think Cott's. I supplied every set piece for my goals that season, and I think I got like nine. So.
2: so, when you've got people, uh, when you've got people like Cots, when you've got people like Cops, uh, James Cottman just putting balls in the box, you know, and, that, and that's just a name, name, name too, by the way. And, and obviously a very talented court squad because uh, it must make it easy for a a centre half or a, centre, a big centre forward or, or or anybody attacking the ball. Really, when he, when players like that are putting balls in a, in good areas.
3: Well, you, you'll you'll know yourself if you've got a, a good winger who's going to put the ball in an area time and time and time again, it makes your life easier because you know when it's coming. Yeah. Uh, and it was no different for me. Whenever I went forward for a, a set piece or a corner, I knew where it was getting put. And you talk about cops and cots there. Their delivery was, was incredible. And you knew exactly where they were going to put it. And it, it made my life easier. Mm. Yeah, we've got
2: James on the show on Monday, so I'm, uh, I'll, I'll I'll ask him about how good you uh, how good you were, uh, how many chances you missed, basically. So <laughs> <I'll>, uh, <laughs> how many goals you set your up, so how much you worry But uh, mm. but no, you mentioned you mentioned Hibs just then. I'm, obviously, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm not going to obviously mention all the clubs but you mentioned Hibs and I uh, I, I know you were there uh, a couple of weeks ago for the Aberdeen game um, I seen it on uh, I think it was was it Hibs TV or was that
3: what I, I did a bit of Sky and I did Hibs TV a for bit of Hibs, TV, Hibs so,
2: TV so yeah I seen, uh, I seen that and I've and I seen some lovely comments from uh, uh, from various supporters um, obviously you made a massive impression uh, up in Scotland you know obviously I, I played up there I know, I know the standard uh, really well obviously the the big games are massive um, you know obviously uh, obviously, playing for Hibs, you're normally in the in the top half of the split as well, uh, which is obviously great because the game's become bigger and bigger all the way yeah. through the season. I wasn't fortunate enough at the time I played for Dunfermline that when we hit the split, we were in the bottom half, which the games towards the end of the season were all horrible games and relegation battles. But um, how did you enjoy your, your time up uh, uh, north of
3: It was It was special, uh, for one for a better word. It's mm-hmm. uh, a place that... Whenever, whenever I go back now, I, I try and go back two or three times a year and it, it's just a, such a special place. Uh, I, I'd like to think that I gave so much to that club and I gained so much from that club. It was a club that really I went up there as an unknown, I just an English and a half. No one really knew who I was. Uh, and thanks and thankfully to, to Hibs, Hibbs, uh, I came back down south as someone who who was a, more of a household name than than when he first, first went up there. But the supporters were brilliant with me. Uh, and they were, they were great from start to finish. Uh, they could have waited to see what I did. But I think throughout my career, I got along with the vast majority of supporters because, like you, were saying, you said earlier, uh, and I think you, you you did yourself a bit of a, a disservice, I was not the most technically gifted footballer in the world. I was not the most pleasing on the eye footballer in the world. Mm. But what I did d- do is I would run and I would tackle and I would fight people and I'd do everything, everything I possibly could to, to enable my team to, to win. And I think that's what endears you to supporters because they mm. know that your, your, your heart's on your sleeve, as, as, as you like to say. Mm. And you, you, oh, want, you want to win as much as they do.
2: And one thing about obviously Hibbs is uh, and, and Hearts, by the way, because obviously uh, the city is huge for football. You know what I mean? They're very passionate. They love the football. They turn up in the droves, and that's just not that's not for the old firm games, by the way. They turn up all the time, and it's. Uh, I, I lived in Edinburgh when I was there. It was a lovely place to live. I got to go to various games in uh, for both Hearts and Hibbs, and I just, I, I, I've got a massive. I'm a massive advocate for Scottish football, and I, and I think sometimes it doesn't get the publicity and the and the accolades and the, and, the, and the praise it gets because obviously lads move down south very well more, more often than not. Um and unfortunately um
3: doesn't get the credit it needs really. I should should get. No, no, no. Uh the game I was at for the weekend was a really good game. Lots of tempo, lots of good players on show. Uh it was it finished one nil with a penalty, but that doesn't do the do the game justice. There was some really good play. Uh and it surprised me to be honest. I'd not been at a game for since last November. So I'd been out of a little while. But it was it was a really good game and, and there's some You've got your Celtic, you got your Rangers, you've got your Aberdeen. Uh, obviously, Hearts went down, which is, is is not great for the SPL itself, but uh, the Hibs fans will be delighted mm. with that fact. Uh, but there's you know, it's some big clubs up there. There is some big clubs yeah. up there. And and like you say, the, it's not really uh, brought to the fore when, you, when you're when you in England. It, it, it's not talked about the way it should be, because uh, it should be. I, maybe somewhere down the line, that to create this intercontinental uh cup game and, and things like that because I, I think they started last year with with a few teams from uh, Aberdeen and whatnot uh that do showcase Scottish football much more than they, they have done because uh it, it, it needs showcasing because there's some big clubs up there and there's some very good players.
1: Mm. Um, so uh Rob we had a question uh from the chat uh from James Costly, who asked, "What's the biggest difference uh, between the playing in the Scottish League and the English League?"
3: The relentless amount of games. It, see, oh, I I did three years up with Scotland, and and it, unless you were really moving along in the cup competitions uh, or playing in Europe, you very rarely played midweek. It would it wouldn't be very often. It would yeah. be Saturday to Saturday or Saturday Monday and that sort of stuff. Uh, but then when I first came back down and I went to play in the Championship with Skunthorpe, it was Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. And I, I'm being honest, and I've said it to many people, I struggled to recover. It, I did struggle to recover because my body wasn't ready for the play, rest, recover, play, rest, recover, play, rest, recover. So that's probably the biggest difference between Scottish football and, and the English English football. The down here, it's just game after game after game after game. And, and if, if you... You're struggling to get to recover. You you will struggle.
1: Um, hmm. Another question, sorry, and time. A, um, which someone sent in, which I've it's an absolutely fascinating question, which I've never actually heard anyone ask. Uh, Gaz asked in the YouTube chat: Would you like to see the League Cups in England and Scotland combined, with the winner of the tour of the cup getting the Champions League spot to make the League Cup more important and worthwhile to everyone? Oh. Interesting.
3: Yeah. Pick the bones out that
1: one. Yeah. I don't know where to start with that. And n- you go n- first, n- man. Oh, man. It's,
2: it's, uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's it's. Um, it's a lot uh, of games. I, yeah, you know? yeah. It, it is. And, I, and I, Especially now, you know what I mean. They're trying to cut the amount of games which, which are being played. So, in order to do that now, it's just, it's just, it's and at the minute it's an impossibility it, to start. It to, could to start replace
1: that. pre-season friendlies, though. Like the like, I know. Well, they and...
2: could, but but then the, the lads would have to come back even earlier for pre-season mm. because these are competitive games. Because yeah, it makes a mockery if it's a competitive game if uh, you can use seven or eight subs because yeah. the game the game becomes disjointed and and we we, are, yeah. we had a we had a we had a we, we, we have on about the charity shield last week about that being no fun because it's not competitive. So mm. then we now we're talking about sim same, yeah, same thing. I mean, so for me, the it's... other
1: aspect it would be interesting to see how your Scott, uh, your Celtic, your Rangers, your Hibs, your Aberdeen's did in a tournament which contained you know Premier League teams, Championship teams. I would, I would like, la- like I'm stuck in two minds. I would like, I would love to see it. Well, they I did uh, they did one. They did one with
2: Wales. They did one with because when Craig Harrison was manager at TNS, they did. um it was. They had uh, Irish teams in it. They had yep. low, low league Scottish teams in it. Yep. The Welsh Premier League teams were in it. Because I'm sure they got. I'm sure they got beaten a final by uh, by a Scottish team. I think it was Queen of the South, wasn't it? I
3: think. Yeah, was. I think they were, I think they were doing it uh, doing along those lines last year. I'm sure there was yeah. something last year they were doing. The what,
2: what, Iron, Iron Brew. So, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it was the Iron Brew Cup. I'm it, was. Sure that was it was. Yeah, yeah it was, it Iron, Iron Brew Cup. cup. Which, <laughs> which by the by the way, that is the best name ever for a cup. It we we, <laughs> we harp on about the milk cup. It is, but the Coca-Cola Cup and the Iron Brew Cup are the two best names ever for a cup competitions, bar none, bar none, bar none, but hey-ho. But no, I, th- I think, um, listen, in in reality, it's not going to work, but you know what I mean, is a, as a paper. a paper idea say, on
1: paper. Oh,
2: of course it is, but... It's 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 difficult it, to, yeah. Well, it, it's to difficult as to. well. If, if there's a if there's a major tournament in the summer as well, because you're mm. you're on about letting players um, rest in, and yeah. recover before they go onto a tournament, but you are on about starting the season earlier, potentially finishing the season later. So when they're going to get a rest? Because we need to play. We still need to play. By the way, in the winter, because Christmas is the best time ever to watch football and play football. So for me, I've actually limited
1: it to like Premier League and Championship from each. I don't know. There's. Yeah. I, I don't, think you end, it? yeah,
2: I don't think you can. Yeah, uh, I don't think you can. Rob, I'm, I'm not going to, obviously, we, we just touched on there about Stoke and, obviously, uh, sorry, Scunthorpe and struggling, uh, obviously, with the with the amount of games. Obviously, we touched on Sheffield Wednesday a little bit. Um, I'd like to touch on uh, Doncaster uh, a little bit before we uh, look into what your future plans and aspirations are and stuff. But obviously, you had some um, some really successful um, years at Doncaster um, and obviously enjoyed your football and played with some very good players and obviously played under... Uh, obviously, good managers. You know what I mean. So, uh, tell us about your time there and and uh, and how enjoyable it was.
3: No, Doncaster was great for me. Obviously, uh, it came about because Sheffield uh, Wednesday had, had become had come second in the League One, so they got promoted. Dave Jones came in and, and took over, and I was made surplus to requirements. Uh, Dave Jones,
2: it. eh? Nightmare, <laughs> is <it, ain't> he? <laughs> <laughs> see, see, see si? I, I'm not saying
3: anything. I'm keeping my <laughs> on that one. Sorry, uh, tweet it, tweet it, later I'll be tweeting. <laughs> uh, so I was made. I was made surplus requirements. I could have sat in the in the in the reserves all season and picked up my money, but that's not me. For me, my philosophy is: if there's a Saturday, there's a game on, and you're not playing, that's a Saturday you'll never get back. So I just wanted to play, and I was way in Portugal. I was with. I was actually with the first team in Portugal, just doing a bit of preseason, and. Uh, I got a phone call from Dean asking me if I'd like to go there. Uh, The club said yes, that's fine. So agreement was made between me and the club and I moved on. Uh, Dean was magnificent for me. He was brilliant for me. Like I said earlier, he made me the focus of of everything that went on there. He made me captain the first day I went in, which I'd been there before and it hadn't worked at Scunthorpe, but that's a different story altogether. But when we went to Doncaster, the the captain had left at the time and and it just fit. It just fit and it's probably that season, probably the best individually that I've played in my whole career. Uh, people might say because you had more responsibility. Obviously, Dean left to go to Wolves in December. Uh, I was made player manager with Brian Flynn at, at, in December till the summer, and it just—you've uh, got James on next week. He'll probably elaborate on the dressing room, but it was just one of those dressing rooms where everybody was focused on one aim and one aim only uh those players had they just got, got, just got relegated the year before so they wanted to get back in the championship i just passed up on the opportunity to go and play in the championship wednesday so i wanted to get back in the championship so it was just a a collective unit and it was so driven and i say i was a player manager; i i played every week but mind you, that dressing room at that time was, was so easy so easy uh it was just it was just a dream and it, the end of it was just was just incredible
2: Oh, well, obviously, we're going to touch on uh, managerial aspirations and things uh, in a minute. Uh, I'd like to talk about obviously the Brentford game. Uh, obviously, it's an iconic, um, iconic moment in football. Obviously, uh, obviously James scoring that, that that winning goal, but obviously yeah. the, the the whole game um, and obviously the moment which which uh, came up to the obviously the the, the winning goal and, and and obviously after and uh, just talk us through the madness. Really, because I think that's how, how I can describe it. Because it was just from an outsider watching it. It looked like the best moment, but, also, but as a player, at, at one moment, it probably was going to be the worst moment of your career.
3: Well, up until that point, the, the day had gone totally to plan. We talked about it during the week about what we were going to do in certain moments, if this happened, if that happened, how we were going to play, how we were going to re- recover, and all that sort of stuff. And it had gone completely the plan. And then uh, Big J put his size fifteen boot in the boy's face. With a minute to go, and you <laughs> can write see it, it, could you? Write. It, it, it. To be fair, I can't recall this, but he said, "I give him the look as no one's looked at him like that before in his entire life." <laughs> uh, rightly,
2: rightly so. By the way, uh, rightly
3: so. Yeah, well, we were in the playoffs at that point because yeah. if he'd have scored, they'd have won, they'd have got promoted, we were going to off. so we'd have been yeah. hidden for another three weeks. Mm. So that wouldn't have gone down very well in dressing room. No. Uh but no, it was bedlam, absolute bedlam. Yeah. It started off with the, the captain and the centre forward at the time fighting over the ball, who's taking the penalty. Uh, that went on for about three or four minutes. Uh, I'm still looking at Jay as if I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kill him when we get off the pitch. Uh, players are looking at me as if they say, Oh, what are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? Uh, but <sighs> long story short, he hits the bar, it comes out, Quinny clears it, it's to Billy Painter. And Billy Painter drives through, slips into cops which if there's ever any a better fitting moment in football ever, that was it. Mm. Uh, because the, the guy that's played for the club for all his life, he's got, he's got 800 plus games, he's done gas it through and through, and to score the goal in the last 30 seconds to get the team not just promoted, but to win the league in front of his own fans in that, that far end, uh, just epitomised really him as an individual and, and the season as a whole. Mm. Can you? Can you? Are you surprised
2: how bad Brentford's defending was? As it, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of they had a penalty, but then they were wide open. Can, can uh, you get your head round? Like, because uh, I've, I've, I've watched it, I've watched it a couple of times, and I've watched it from different points of view, and I've watched it from um, if 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 Brentford scored the penalty, then we're all there to celebrate, which is great. But he didn't score, and you're looking absolutely stupid now because
3: you've, you've no. Possibly- it was crazy because I've got the aerial picture uh, of Billy Painter just about to receive the ball on the halfway line. Uh, because someone's just come up there, Billy Painter was sat in the dugout as the penalty was <laughs> been taken. Billy Painter was sat in the dugout with his head in his hands, and then he got uh, through back on the pitch as as it as hit the bar, and then he receives the ball. But it was 2v1. That's amazing. I know it's just, and I, I don't know. Brentford obviously must have thought, Right, here we go, we'll that- score win, mm-hmm. win-, win one nil, we're all mm-hmm. happy. There we go. Uh, but the, the pitcher. That I've got is their players are just on the knees in the middle of the pitch. Hmm. It's a goalkeeper, Billy Painter, and Cops. So yeah. yeah, rather gassing really when you, that is that much at stake. But then they had to win the game. It, yeah, a, a, draw, I, I it, it, a, a, a draw would have a, a suffice for us, so it would have been fine. When I when I,
2: uh, when I describe it as as, as madness, I, I think that's probably an understatement because hmm. you know if if that had gone the other way, yeah. obviously we're talking about a different you're talking about a different occasion. You're watching everything what you did. You know what I mean, and that would have been such a uh, I put a negative swing on it because then you've got to get yourselves mentally, physically prepared for, like you say, another potentially three weeks. Yeah, which uh, which is just not not the nice not the nicest of feeling, <laughs> especially <laughs> if it doesn't go the way that you want it to go. And it's not great at all, is it? Um, right. Um, obviously, I'm conscious on, conscious on time. Uh, obviously, I know you went to Hartlepool. Uh, and apologies, for Hartlepool fans, if you're expecting me to uh, talk about. It. But I, I want to go into uh, your. Uh, future aspirations, Rob. Because I'm, uh, you know, what I mean, I'm very uh, conscious that, you know, what I mean, what you want to try and achieve in your life, and uh, and, and obviously, I want to try and publicise that and trying to help you out as much as we can, because, um, you know, you've got your dreams and aspirations, and uh, so do you want to tell everybody what what Rob Jones' what what Rob Jones's philosophy is, uh, what his dreams and aspirations are for the future.
3: <laughs> it was it's, to be fair all the way along. Uh, I've wanted to become a coach a manager uh, of some capacity and that's something that'll probably never go away from me i had the the little snippet at doncaster where I, I was player manager which whetted the appetite enormously is that uh, is that is
2: that what it did did it get did it get your did it get your mouth watering to what what was ready for the future
3: see i like being in control so at that point i was in control and i like uh all not not the pressure because I was saying earlier. I don't like pressure. I don't I don't do pressure. But I like people that need answers, and I've got answers for them. If you know if you know what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I like to make decisions, the right decisions for each individual, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that did work the appetite at, at that at that time, uh, and it was because it went so well. I think sometimes you can get blinkered to the fact that this is what I'll do from, from now on in and, and continue uh, but it, it didn't happen that way but in the future no one knows what the, the future's is going to hold for, for Rob Jones or, or for anybody but for me it, I, I would just love the opportunity again to go back into a club whether that's an 18s a 23s a manager a system manager and see where that, that actually takes me I I coach because not because it's good for me. I coach because I think I have an awful lot of knowledge and experience to pass on to the next individual. Uh, and I want those I, who I coach to have the opportunities I had. That's the reason I coach. I don't, re- I don't coach for the money. I don't coach for the prestige. I don't coach because that's what I want to do because I'm selfish. It's not that at all. I coach because I want others to take on board what all my experiences, my, my, my knowledge, and, and move it on and, and give them the opportunities. Uh, and how important
2: my... how important that is that, is that the Rob you know what I mean that um, you know what I mean you see a lot of people who do coach and 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 are quite stubborn in the way that they do things because it 's got to be about them um, so how important is it for your side that you do it for the love and tr- do it for other people to try and improve and try and develop um, other people as well as yourself at the same time oh uh, it, it's
3: massively important. I will continue to learn about coaching for the rest of my life and that's just how it will be you go away and you analyze your your sessions and your whatnot you do your cpd events you go and listen to people you go and read books and all that sort of Mm. stuff but if you have the opportunity to influence someone else's life in a positive manner isn't that good enough for anybody it's good enough for me by, uh, yeah, yeah. by any stretch of the mind whether, that, whether that's a kid that's going to become a professional footballer he's going to play for his country he's going to play for his boyhood team doesn't matter whether that kid plays grassroots football and he grows in confidence and he grows in stature and he becomes more uh, 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 at one with himself that, that's, that's all I do it for uh, if you look down the end of the line when you become a manager yes you've got to win games I understand that but football now is about man management and I think going back on what you've just said, I have that in abundance. I know, understand individuals. Uh, I understand what they want, I understand what they require. They require. And the journey from coaching under twelves at Grimsby, right the way through every level, has, has given me that uh, that opportunity to to understand that side of it. Does it help as well that because we obviously we went
2: back uh, to, obviously on your journey? Does it help that you've played at every level? You played non-league football. You've played obviously junior football. Do you think it helps that you've had a, a broad understanding at every level to pass that knowledge on to other people?
3: I think so because I, a lot of times I've already been there and I've already sampled it or I know somebody who's been there and sampled it and sometimes it's great and sometimes it's not very nice. Yeah. Uh, we've all been in a position where we, we think football is just rosy and, and, or it's all rose-tinted glasses and things. It's not because it can be difficult at times and it can be tough at times and it can be lonely at times. And I've been every 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 one of those positions uh, throughout my career. I had twelve operations, and I had to recover from them. So the, the mindset had to be that had to be different and had to be uh, nurtured. Uh, but it's it's one it's one of those where you, you you look at where you've been, what you've done, because I never allowed myself to really look at what I've achieved as a footballer until I retired because i go back to what I was saying earlier about I wasn't the most gifted footballer in the world, but I had to work hard and I had to make sure everything was correct, everything was laid out, everything was organised. I knew exactly what my role was, blah, 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 blah. So I was so focused, so driven in the football side of it, and I never allowed myself to reflect on the last game because I knew there's another one coming. So from that side of it, for me, I just want the opportunity to to pass on my knowledge. Uh, I have a playing style, I have philosophy, I have... thousands of sessions that I've created myself I don't copy people I just do my own thing because I think I understand that what players actually need what players want and what they what they like You talk about philosophy there so how
2: how important is that having your own um, individual philosophy?
3: Now this is a difficult question because you can have a philosophy on, a, on how you want to play see I like to play 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. I like to play through the lines. I like to play with pace, high at the pitch. I like to play into into football. I like to get it and play forward at every opportunity possible. But I can't shy away from the fact that I might become a manager of a club that's struggling. Nine times out of ten, you go to a football club that the manager's been sacked because they're not winning games. Yeah. So confidence is low. Uh, the understanding is probably low. And you go in there first day and say right I want to play total football they look as if you're absolutely crazy mm-hmm. so your philosophy sometimes is dictated by what you inherit and then over time you you over time you then can try and stamp your authority and your philosophy on the on the club itself but at, in that specific moment you've got to get them winning games or if you don't win games you lose four in the bounce. your job's in in, in, in to become justified for them. so yeah
2: I think also that's, and I'll probably use an example that obviously Jonathan Woodgate uh, had his philosophy. He had his staff in place. He had everything in place that he wanted to play, but then obviously realised quite quickly um, that you're uh, working with players who don't really fit the, the style of play that you wanted with a high tempo, pace up front, high pressing game, and you know what I mean. That you, you see it in short bursts, but you know what I mean. You don't see it in the longevity of the, of the season, unfortunately. And like you just said there, it's so important to um, to. Um, gain the trust, you know what I mean. But it's a long-term plan and a long-term philosophy because, uh, and and I, and I think this is my biggest bugbear in uh, in football, and especially probably lower league football, uh, probably Championship downwards. Um, the managers aren't given enough time, and they're not given enough time to put that philosophy in place because people press that panic button, and they press the panic button far too soon. And it, uh, unless you're a, um, you know what I mean, that Stevie G was being given a bit of time to implement his own style. Frank was given. To um, be Frank did a decent job at, at Derby, uh, but then obviously got an amazing job uh, yeah. next, next progression. Uh, obviously, uh, JT is um, obviously working as an assistant manager at, uh, or coach, or whatever his, his job title is at Villa. Um, but it's nice that these people are getting an opportunity. But I think there's there's, there's other young coaches who, who haven't played at the very top, who are better equipped to go into these kind of places, but don't get the opportunities. And 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 I feel that. Um, there's enough clubs um, for young coaches to be given a, uh, a role under an experienced manager if that's the case or, or just be thrown in the deep end if they're ready and they want it because not everyone will take it if they get, if they get offered it but if someone's ready like yourself um, and, and are keen for it and have got ideas, philosophies, people who they want to work with in place then for me I'm a big advocate of just give somebody the opportunity.
3: No, it, It's one of those ones where I, I go through my life and I say to myself, don't answer your own questions. Uh, and I would say that to most chairmen, owners, technical directors, sporting directors, please don't answer your own questions. If you want to give a young coach the opportunity at your club, then allow him to do that. Don't say, well, he's not ready or he's not old enough or he's not this or not that. How are we, How are you going to know unless you give these people the opportunity? You ain't going to know. Uh, so for me, you talk about the young English coaches coming through. There's lots of young English coaches coming through, lots of them. Uh, and there's lots of them chomping at the bit. There's lots of ex-pros out of the out of the Premier League who can't get a job because because of, of, of such a, like the situations. Uh, but it's it's one of those where you, and unless you give people the opportunity, you never you're never going to find out the answer.
2: I totally agree, and I, I I couldn't I couldn't find a better way of finishing the show, Rob. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. I really appreciate. Uh, you're giving your time up on a on a Friday evening, I oh, know obviously you're a, you're a busy man and uh, uh, and things. So I really appreciate um, coming on and telling us your story. Your story's a, a great story. You've had an amazing journey, um, and uh, I think we've both been maybe a little bit disrespectful on our ability tonight because, uh, <laughs> 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 uh, but but attributes, sir. Uh, uh, it's it's like my isn't it? Football. You know what I mean. You are either loved or you're hated by people, and you know what I mean. And I, and I think that's what I like. You know what I mean. That like I'm a and and, and will back me up here. By the way, that that uh, I'm like a kid in the sweet choppy on I'm doing this show because I I get to talk to so many people who I've played with, played against, uh, who I've I've watched, know the journey. Uh, but I get uh, I get to know a little bit more, so I get to know who you support. I get to know uh, I get I get a look at your stats, which I'm a uh, a big fan of numbers, and uh, it just it just blows me away. Everything just blows me away, and I'm a, you know I mean I'm a, I'm loving every show I do because it's uh, and we do as uh, as as a show because it's just. That's phenomenal and I, I, I thank you so much for coming
3: on. Oh no, it's been my pleasure. Uh, you, you'll come across many footballers who just want to talk football and, I, and I'm one of them. I'll talk football yeah. all day long. It, does, yeah. it, it doesn't, doesn't make any difference to me. Uh, the clock doesn't tick for me when I talk about football. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Top, I, I thank you very much.
1: Yeah, cheers, cheers, Rob. Robert, appreciate your time. And uh, obviously, cheers to, and thank you to everyone who's tuned in uh, on the various platforms, all the comments, questions, etc. Uh, As usual, you can find this and every other show we do, uh, youtube.com slash acepodcastnation for the video version, the audio versions come out the next day, uh, all the usual podcast, radio platforms and apps. Uh, This Monday, 7.30, the Andy Campbell Football Show with ex-Doncaster, Exeter and Hartlepool midfielder, Mr. James Coppinger. Uh, Big thank you to Black Diamond Sports for all their support uh, in the build-up to these shows and everything are surrounding it. And, of course, a massive, huge shout-out and thanks to Bespoke Financial for supporting the shows, uh, as usual. And um, just thank you to everyone for joining us. And uh, we will see you Monday, live, 7.30, for the next Andy Campbell football show. And uh, also, don't forget to check Sunday, uh, 8 p.m., my... Uh, chat with Phil Brown, which is another football show, uh, so all you football fans will enjoy that also. But uh, for, the, for now, I bid you a farewell.
0: My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my auntie Louise told mummy about bespoke financial teaside. After an hour Darren said goodbye and Mummy and Daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. Podcast Network.